Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag NFL. This certainly isn't how I uh, envision this or plan this. Uh, but but I am going to retire. Uh, this is not an easy decision. Uh, honestly, it's the hardest decision of my life. But it is the right decision for me. For the last four years or so, I've been in this cycle of injury, pain, rehab, injury, injury, pain, rehab. And it's been unceasing, unrelenting, both in season both in, and off season. And I felt stuck in it. And the only way I see out uh, is, is to to no longer play football. It's taken my joy of this game away. Andrew Luck. Saturday night, the story broke. I know the first time I saw it on Twitter, I thought, do not retweet that. This is a parody account. This is how people get burned. Exactly. And then I saw a second one, and then I saw a third one, and then I realized, holy cow, Andrew Luck is retiring at 29. Colts owner... Jim Irsay said he thinks that uh, Andrew Luck's probably leaving about $450 million on the table. What could he have made in salary? What could he have made in endorsements? Now it's hard to know, you know, how well he would have played and how long he would have played. But he left a pile of money on the table, whether you believe the 450 or not. And we always say it. Athletes are all about the money. They're just playing with the money. There's a guy walking away from a big pile of money. And why don't we believe injury reports? Oh, it was nothing we were told over the summer. No, this is a mild calf thing. I'll be ready to go, and everybody's all positive and upbeat, and it goes the other way. The complete ultimate opposite direction. I'm out of the pool altogether forever. Good night. I'm 29. Last time a player this well-known at an offensive skill position retired, Barry Sanders. I mean, that's, that's what I got for you. I can't think of anything else. He was a good quarterback. He was a number one pick. Didn't get the Colts to a Super Bowl. Didn't win a title. Didn't even play for it. Uh, won some playoff games. 29. But all we hear about is how violent the game is, and he couldn't get healthy. He basically was missing big chunks of the season every other year. That's kind of the pattern he'd slipped into here over the last few years. So he's out. Now, predictably, someone already had the hot take that, you know, is Doug Gottlieb. Hot take. He's his most millennial thing ever. Predictably, an ex-athlete in the media then went after Troy Aikman, just went after Gottlieb. And the Twitterverse is alive. And we can all be outraged. Outraged that he would quit. Or outraged that Gottlieb would take a shot at him. I'm outraged. The Colts... I got to wonder that part of me thinking the Colts, you know, if he doesn't play football for a year, there's a chance he comes back. He'll miss the guys, he'll miss the camaraderie. They could have taken some money back from him. $24.8 million. Some of it, yeah, they can get a portion of the signing bonus, and then there were some roster bonuses he hit in the spring. Since he's not playing this year, they could take those back. A couple of piles of money that are a little more than $12 bucks each. $24.8, and they're letting him walk away with it. 
Well, billionaires don't just let people walk away with millions of dollars of money because if you did that, you wouldn't end up being a multi-billionaire, which is what you have to be to own an NFL team. So we'll see if the Colts are playing a long game there and if it, if it works out for them. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Khalil Tate, he's going to take the shot. Is he across the line of scrimmage? He is. And if they don't catch him, is he going to get to the end zone? No, he's not. And that's it. This game is over. They caught him at the one-yard line. Hawaii wins. Hawaii beats Arizona. 45-38, crazy game. That Arizona defense is, what's the word I'm looking for? Lousy. Holy cow, they got shredded. Ute fans, I know you watched that and thought, hey, look at that right there. Good news for the Pac-12, despite a, a loss to the Mountain West, which is never a good thing. They don't judge you by how good your ninth or 10th best team is. And Arizona definitely looks like the bottom half of the league. They can move it. They can score. But they get beat 45-38. And Tate, that was a crazy decision to run the ball. Ten seconds left at the 35-yard line. Football logic says two throws. You drop back and take a shot at the end zone real quick and leave yourself time to take another shot at the end zone. Or you throw about a 10-yard, 15-yard pass, and you got time for one shot at the end zone, but it's not a heave. You know, you're at the you're at the 20 yard line or so, you're running a play. But Khalil Tate trusts his legs. He takes off to the right. He zigs, he zags, he cuts up field, and he got down to the one yard line. And when he took off, there was some space. But you're right, the logic would dictate you throw it twice. Hey, it's Khalil Tate. He trusts his legs. He ran for 100 yards, he threw for 300 yards, and they still got beat. And they gave up 595 yards to Hawaii. And I think turned it over like four, six turnovers. So they inter, uh, intercepted Cole McDonald four times, and then they got the two fumbles on top of that. So there were seven scoring drives, and then there were six turnovers. Now, one of those drives, they did hold him to a field goal, and they forced two punts. It was, or no, they forced one punt. I can't remember. Was it one? Only one. Yeah, they forced one punt. So they held him twice because they forced the field goal on downs. That's not a good defense. And the reason that coaches don't want to play big games early and want tune-up games, if you watched Miami and Florida, uh, what's the phrase if they were politicians? Mistakes were made. Admit the mistakes. Don't admit ownership. Mistakes were made at the end of the game. If they had another week or, you know, if they pushed this game back even further, three weeks of practice and a couple of games, would they have cleaned that up and had a neater game at the end? Because... Mistakes were made. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Well, they weren't going to win forever. And it was an exhibition game before the World Cup, which to the U.S. is clearly the second most important tournament. Distant second to the Olympics. But Team USA's 78-game win streak is over. They had not lost since... What, 13 years? I can't do the math. 2006. And what was then the world championship? The bronze medal match. Or bronze medal game of that world championship. Yeah. 78 wins in a row, and it all ends in a football stadium in Melbourne. 52,000. Watching Joe Ingles go for 15 points, 7 assists, and getting the right to trash talk Donovan Mitchell forever in the Jazz locker room. 
I mean, that's fun to consider, but I don't know that it matters a lot because Joe always has something to say anyway, and if they lost the game, Joe would just get on a bus at some point and have something to say about something else. I don't know. Whatever. Your shoes, the way you passed the ball, what you ate, who knows? It would have been something. So the question is, does this motivate the U.S.? And now they go on a big old roll. They did just beat uh, Canada 84-68 in the last tune-up. Or... Hey, a lot of the top guys aren't playing, and these guys are vulnerable in the tournament. I think the more interesting question for Jazz fans, in the playoffs, you're going to need Donovan Mitchell to step up in big moments in the clutch. Is he going to do it in this tournament? It looks like the way things are shaking out in these exhibition games, the Kimba Walker gets the ball and gets a lot of the shots, and Donovan may be a decoy at the end of games. But the deep run Jazz fans all want, the Western Conference Finals, the NBA Finals, the trophy and the parade, It's good to have the collection of guys. They can win more games. They can get a better C. They can go around deeper in the playoffs. But I think they're going to need Donovan playing at a whole other level in big moments and in big games. Not so much worried about the season point averages and that, but haven't haven't really seen him taken over here. And maybe that's not the way the team is built. Maybe he's not capable of it, but it's something to watch for. Biggest moments, biggest games, most pressure. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is not going to be part of this team and not part of this tournament. The former Ute, the current Laker, ankle injury, he's out. So, this is a two-week tournament, so if you have an ankle injury for two or three weeks, you're done. Kyle Kuzma, back to the U.S. to get ready for the NBA season. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Was it the World Series preview? Houston and Atlanta would like to believe no, it was not. A few other teams probably would, too. But certainly those two are having great seasons. But the Dodgers and the Yankees. Oh, it sounds sexy, doesn't it? It harkens back to previous decades, previous showdowns. And thanks to Interleague Play, they had a series this weekend. The Yankees win the series. They get the 5-1 win. And Aaron Judge tells the kid he's going to hit a home run. And then he goes out and hits a home run. Shades of Babe Ruth, right? Oh, you can just feel. Now, it's a little different because in this era, everybody's hitting home runs, and we're having so many home run records fall. We're having home run records fall that we didn't even know were records. What? The most home runs in a weekend by a lefty. It is weird stuff out there that only lies to tracks. So they're flying out there. Uh, the Yankees beat Clayton Kershaw yesterday. So there's that. The American League Central, Minnesota's got a three-and-a-half game lean on Cleveland now. The Twins win again. They beat the Tigers 7-4. They got it going. Uh, I mentioned the Astros would like to think it's not a Dodger-Yankee World Series. The Astros pummeled the Angels 11-2, the final score there. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. Sometimes the calls go for you. Sometimes they go against you. Even when there's replay. RSL. Lousy first half, somehow scoreless with Colorado. Played a little better in the second half, but got to the 89th minute. Nothing to show for it. And suddenly, the game that produced a few good chances, but not much, and the crowd had been pretty quiet because, quite frankly, there wasn't much to cheer. And then the last 10 minutes were crazy. A red card? I got to admit that was a little harsh. I thought it was going to be a yellow. A red card, Colorado goes down a man, RSL scores a goal, it's disallowed, they check replay correctly, RSL was offside. And then a penalty, as Joao Plata scores his first goal of the year that turns out to be the game winner, and then RSL gets another goal after that. So outside of 
Three goals, one disallowed, a red card, and a penalty. Nothing happened in the last 10 minutes. I thought the penalty was really clear-cut. Red card. Yeah, it was a red. It could have been a yellow. Different referee, different night. The null judgment calls. And RSL gets a win, and RSL's now in second place in the Western Conference. Everything broke their way. Galaxy tied. Minnesota lost Friday night. And so there's RSL. But there's only two points to sixth place. So basically played all this time. And what we've got is really what we're about to get to with the golf. We've got basically, for you track fans, a staggered start. For you golfers, a handicap. And RSL's got a little two-point advantage. And they got some tiebreakers. Other than that, you really haven't settled much here in the first five months of the season. Seven games now to go. They're going to go to Portland next week. DJ and PK. Golf. Rory McIlroy. Overcoming the staggered start, the handicap system. He was minus five, five shots off the pace. He puts together four good rounds. He wins the FedEx Cup. I always talk about this could this hole could be a two-shot swing. I really think it's the magic of the Masters. Same course every year. Best names, high stakes, all this tradition. And on every hole, no matter what the leaderboard looks like, it could be a two-shot swing. That's the magic of Augusta. You can have, you can make birdie, you can make bogey, you can do something great, you can do something awful on so many swings going around that golf course. And now, instead of a two-shot swing, we had a three-shot swing. Brooks Kepka, double bogeyed seven. Rory McIlroy birdied. Will Brooks Kepka ever be the same? Yeah, he probably will. It's not like he did that in a, in a U.S. Open. I mean, it's a tour championship. They're playing for a lot of money. Rory McIlroy wins the FedEx Cup for the second time in his career, gets a $10 million bonus, so he takes home $15 million. And as he famously said a few years ago, yeah, it'd be nice, but it won't change my life. He's already made a ton of money, and he's going to make a ton of money. The endorsements are going to keep rolling in, even if his golf game goes the way of David Duvall and it just vaporizes. So they can keep piling the money in there. Tony Finau, seventh place, seven under. And we've seen this out of Tony before. You know, it's, it's a big tournament. Big names there. And he gets a top ten and he wins a lot of money, but he wasn't really in the hunt to win it. Actually, the way Rory McIlroy ran away, there really wasn't much doubt. That back nine, Rory even made a couple bogeys, but ah, had that thing under control. All right, DJ and PK, that's what's trending. There are your headlines. It's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener on Shamrock Plumbing. At Shamrock Plumbing, 801-295-1690, Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Frank Dolce is going to join us, 730, talking mutes, getting ready for the rivalry game. Aggie head coach Gary Anderson is going to join us every Monday during the season. He'll be here at 8.30 talk about Wake Forest. Rebuilding the offense. Working in 50 new guys. 50. A college coach has to do that. One who has a lot of return missionaries. That's it. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Colts quarterback Andrew Luck stuns the NFL by announcing his retirement at the age of 29 Saturday night. New England Patriots wide receiver Josh Gordon was removed from the team's non-football injury list. He'll be available to play in the season over against Pittsburgh September 8th. Houston Texans running back Lamar Miller tears the ACL in his left knee in the Texans' preseason game against the Cowboys. He is out for the season. So, for you fantasy football owners with a draft coming up, there's three big notes. Try not to mess up. Try not to be the owner who drafts Lamar Miller or Andrew Luck because the whole league will laugh at you. BYU plays Tennessee game number two. Tennessee starting cornerback Bryce Thompson was arrested on a charge of misdemeanor domestic assault stemming from an incident involving a woman Saturday night at a campus dormitory. Head coach Jeremy Pruitt is expected to address Thompson's status today during his weekly press conference. Tennessee opens the season against Georgia State before hosting BYU. The Bees lose 10-9 to Reno in the series finale. They open a series tonight in El Paso at 7 o'clock. Listen to the game on the Zone Sports Network. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Don't take the bus tour at the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922. Just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park right and save at Diamond Airport Parking. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. It's Football Friday. Alema Harrington and Coach Ron McBride. This is the year that we will take out the University of Utah. And when we join together on Friday, I will bring some Kleenex because the Cougars are coming back. What are the Kleenexes for? Kleenex is for Coach Mack. He'll be crying. <laughs> this is it. The Cougars win it 24 oh, to 21. You already Fortnite. had your deal. You need to shut up. <laughs> hey, you had your turn. Now it's my turn. 34 to 24, Utes. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. And Master Electrical will light up your day. Give us a call at 801-543-2222. We'll be right on our way. That's 801-543-2222. Hot takes or toast. PK joins us. And PK got the hottest of hot takes from ESPN's Lee Corso this weekend. Yeah, All the way but- to the title game, baby. <laughs> Wasn't that funny when uh, old Lee Corso picked the Utes to go all the way to play uh, Alabama? I'm telling you, man, Alabama's going to have to be at the top of its game or they're going to go to drop to 0-2 against the Utes. <laughs> he didn't just have the Utes in the playoff. He had him a three-seed over Ohio State. And he just didn't have him a three-seed. He had him taking down two-seeded Clemson. Bama, Utah, you want to be here this time, Bama? Let me hear you. <laughs> There's very little difference between a two and a three seed, so I would barely classify as that an upset when BYU, when Utah beats Clemson. You know, it's 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 you know, seven and eight in the NCAA tournament, right? A two and a three, you're just splitting hairs. So I can see once once you're putting the Utes at a three, why not go all the way? <laughs> so you put it up on Facebook to see what people thought. Dennis, I didn't know Lee was still with us. Bless his heart. Well, see, that's the thing that's even more impressive is, is he's barely still with us, so he has some divine inspiration in making this pick. Kind of solidifies that Lee Corso needs to officially retire, Jacob Posts. <laughs> nope. See, that's just, that's the point here, man, is 
because he is close to retirement. When you get close to retirement, I guess, I'll find that out in a bit, that you end up being more bold because you don't have to risk it as much. It's much easier when you're you know, 45, 50, 60, I guess, to have to go with the conservative pick. But no, when you're close to retirement, then you can really speak your mind because you don't give to you-know-whats, right? So that's why this pick is even more legitimate than normal. Brooks, I don't trust Lee Corso. I've thought for a long time there shouldn't be polls or predictions till five or six weeks into the season. However, it's great to be thought of this way. It just means Utah's respected nationally. We'll see what happens after Utah's first three warm-up games and they're 3-0 going into Pac-12 play. I do believe that was a shot across BYU's bow right there. Brooks dismissing them without even mentioning them. And his avatar is a red and white beat BYU. Well, I think that uh, certainly we're going to know more after one game, after two games, after three games and all that stuff. But that's what I've been saying all along about these guys. This is a 12-game process. When you're picked to be this high, you cannot really put your emphasis on one game versus the other and because they're the prize that you're shooting for this year is so huge that they all matter and one slip up particularly coming out of this conference can be the big difference maker in not getting in so we'll know after every week because it's not like there's no two words two words bull eligible we've reached a goal the goal can only be reached really in this case after 13 games and that's not in aside from the playoff playoffs nice but you're looking for rose bowl and the only way you'll know that is after 13 games so whatever you want there's no point drawing any the only conclusion you can draw after games now is up they're not good enough because you won't know if they're good enough until the first week in december friday in december as far as meeting what is a legitimate goal whether you think the playoff is a legitimate goal or not it's up to you but most folks are thinking certainly the Rose Bowl's legitimate goal. So they're going to have, if they should be fortunate enough to get there, they're going to have 13 tests, and you've got to pass every one of them. Or at least for the Rose Bowl, you've got to pass that 13th test. <laughs> people, people, Aaron, I love the Utes, but I really want everyone to shut up about them. <laughs> Why? Save the talk for if slash when they're looking to wrap up November undefeated for the year. The Utes haven't done squat yet. And no, that, they haven't. And that has got uh, ten thumbs up and one yeah. heart emoji. See, the problem with that logic is that's fine when the season starts, but we're still in August and we haven't played any games yet. So this is when the talk matters the most. This is when you do the talk. Then when you get into the games, then you talk about the games and you talk about for a couple of days what happened at the game. And then you look forward to the next game. You know, you're not going to be breaking down Idaho State to a great degree in week three. We understand that. But August is the time for talking. That That's why it's there. It's it's. It's the time. It's when you make your preseason predictions and you have fun with it. You fans, I still think you should revel in it. You shouldn't run from it because it's not going anywhere. No matter what you do, if you you don't like it, well, whoop-de-doo for you. But the talk is still going to be there by most everybody else. Yeah, and I don't think that you have to wait for the big games in November to stop sweating. I think they've got two enormous conference games in September. They're going to USC and they're hosting Washington State and we know they haven't won at USC since they joined the Pac-12. They're on four, and they've lost four in a row to Washington State. So those are the huge games start right away. And it's, uh, September's plenty interesting enough. Yeah, every one of these games, they matter just as much as the other, man. 
Got more people weighing in on uh, Lee Corso. Uh, Hope says, oh no, the Corso, kiss of death. <laughs> I don't know if there's such a thing as the Corso kiss of death. I haven't paid attention to who he's picked. John says, I'd be shocked if they went to the playoffs. I'd be pleasantly surprised if they win the Pac-12. He's lowering oh, his expectations. No no no. no, no, no. You cannot be pleasantly surprised. Get out of town. No, I'm not, not this year. Nope, not going. There's too much justified hype. I mean, when you're this heavy a favorite to win the Pac-12 South, well, that sets the Pac-12 title game up as a totally realistic goal. And you got to win it this time. You were just there. So many of these guys already know what it's like to run out and have those nerves and play on that stage, and you always want to do better. One step more than last year. I really think my coverage will be better this year because I was there last year covering it, so I'll be more experienced. I'll understand better how to handle it. Good point. Matthew, I have said it before, and I will say it again. The Utes could win every game this year, and they still won't make the playoffs. They could go undefeated for 10 years straight and not make the playoffs. They have no chance. So to all the Ute fans, enjoy the season. You can win the Pac-12 South. That's about all the proof you need. No, that's dumb. They go undefeated. (laughs) They're waltzing right in. I guarantee it. Undefeated Pac-12 team will not get left out. They will be in. No, they won't. No way. You'll beat several ranked teams, especially this year. The preseason poll has these guys, has this conference at five ranked teams so far. Now, I don't know that every one of them is going to be ranked when you play them for sure, nor do I know that every one of them is going to end the season ranked. But I think this year you can't go with the line the Pac-12 is being disrespected. Right now, they haven't played any games. Well, they played one and that, you know, that fun game with Arizona and Hawaii. But that doesn't really matter. You don't get judged by your ninth or tenth best team. So. No. Right. Darren, I would laugh if BYU beat Utah in the first game. (laughs) (laughs) You can laugh. You can laugh? Okay. You will laugh. laugh. The dream dies right here. Thursday. The the Rose Bowl dream does not die at all. No, it doesn't. All right, DJ PK, it's time to welcome in our Ute Insider. Frank Dolce, the former Utah quarterback, he's on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Frank, what did you think? Good morning, Frank. Hi, how are you? We're jumping right into the deep deep end of the pool here. What did you think when you found out Lee Corso was picking the Utes to go to the playoffs, beat Clemson, and play (laughs) Alabama for the title? I happen to be listening to that that, podcast. broadcast on Saturday morning and I was a I was a little surprised that Lee Corso went out uh, on a limb like that I <laughs> I mean I, I, I guess it's, I, I think it's possible but I I'm not super confident that that's the way it's going to go for Utah there's uh, a lot of things to get to on in, in this particular schedule in the, <laughs> in the knockoff Clemson and, and Alabama in a couple of back-to-back weeks. I think that's a lofty goal for the Utes this year. 
<laughs> All right, yeah, it's a lofty goal, but what the heck? If it's fantasy in the <laughs> preseason, not? so why not have fun with it? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I agree with you. It's probably it's more, probably not probable, but as I was just saying, August is for the time of talk. When the season rolls around, we're done with the preseason predictions, obviously, and then we get into the talk of the games. Now, but I do think that the Utes this year, for the first time since they've been in the Pac-12 anyway, they have just got a gigantic target. And there's no question now, Frank, if BYU wins this game, you can argue that it's going to make their season. It's going to be the best win that they are going to have all season. I mean, we'll see, you know, with uh, Washington and SC. But certainly the mindset is that it's going to be the best win that they're going to have going to have for the season how are the Utes going to handle the emotions that the other teams particularly right off the bat this team BYU is going to have because all of a sudden this huge huge target is on Utah's back right I, I think that to me is the is the biggest difference between this Utah team and Utah teams that we've covered in the past is how do they how how does this team manage being the 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 favorite going in most weeks going into this football season i mean i, I think you could probably argue that utah's going to be the favorite every week unless they really goof something up and and so that's not really been a position utah has been accustomed to in the past and and so as I look as I look at this football team and the talent on this team and the schedule and all of the opportunity one of my biggest questions is how do they manage you know being on top being being the favorite when everyone's going to try and throw you know supposedly throw their best shot at you week in and week out and I know uh, with with this game coming up on Thursday evening um, of course the the rivalry but the way that that BYU lost that game a year ago, I think that you know that's got to still sting a little bit. And um, the way that BYU sets the tone for their season is is this first game. I I still think that both teams come out of this one and can manage a win, you know, a win or a loss. Maybe it's more meaningful if one team wins and you know one team doesn't. But but I I think that. Uh, a loss in this first game for either program you can you can overcome and still reach and get to all of all of your season goals um, but I, I I do think how Utah manages being a favorite throughout the football season is going to be very interesting because it's just it's not, it's not something Utah has done, and it's not really a story that that uh, Coach Whittingham has told with me. I mean, we're we're kind of boys circle the wagons, and everybody's against us, and and we're going to prove everybody wrong. And now it's it's different this year. How different is it having this for the opening game when we know that Kyle has gotten the team revved up? We've heard former players say, you know, the pregame speech was we're never going to lose to this team. And all that. he's had all the offseason get ready for this. And the next two games are at home against teams that ought to be overmatched. So even if you don't show the whole playbook, you know, that cliche, it seems like he ought to have the team really revved up for this. They're not playing the Pac-12 title, Pac title game six days later. Do you expect that that's how he, how he's prepping the team? Just the gas all the way to the floor on this one. You know, it's, I think it's interesting the way Coach Whittingham, you know, manages situations like like this, and and 
I, I think that his his thing is just winning football games. It doesn't matter how it looks or how he does it. And and I think he's going to approach it the same way in, in this one is that, look, this is the, the rivalry and we've we've dedicated ourselves to, to never losing to this particular football team. And, and so we're going to do whatever it takes to, to win this game. And, and hopefully we don't have to show too much or do too much. And, and we can, we can leave some in the tank, but at the end, at the end of the day, whatever we need to do to win this football game, that's what we're going to do. So I don't know if he's, you know, he's probably talking about all of the season goals and it starts with the first one and how difficult the first one is and the history. And, and if you just look, I mean, just look at this, this past weekend, if you look at the Florida and, and Miami game, I, I, I think that this Utah BYU game could, could look a lot like that kind of ugly and, and some turnovers here and there and, and just kind of a battle through, through four quarters. Um, but, but, all of that said, I just Coach Winningham. The only thing that matters to him is who comes out on top. It doesn't matter how it looks or or necessarily how it feels or you know having your 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 foot on the gas pedal 100 percent all the time or it just whatever it takes to win that football game. That's how he's going to have his team ready to play. Yeah, I actually think this year that's a statement that's more applicable than ever since you've got to have you have such lofty goals that who cares? And I actually think, Frank, that it might be to the benefit of the team to win but not look all that good because I think it's important not for these guys to get ahead of themselves or maybe even get full of themselves. You know, I, uh, I, I'd hate to see this team – lose a game um especially early early on in the schedule um and you know a lot of people say that sometimes a loss you know going into the ncaa tournament in basketball and somebody where people always say oh you need to lose a game and that'll wake you wake you up and stuff i i don't necessarily disagree with that like a performance that is kind of a wake-up call is not necessarily a terrible thing if you can still figure out a way to win the game because then you you kind of get realigned in, in training going into the next week. So I still, you know, I, I may, maybe that would be a good thing for Utah. Maybe it wouldn't. I still, I still like the games that feel a little more comfortable throughout the game where you feel like you have some control over what is happening and, and you in your, your play is, is pretty clean and efficient and all of those things. And then you can go in and, and build for the next week. So, um, yeah, let's just figure out for Utah, let's just figure out a way to win this first game. And first games are always weird. Plus you add in the rivalry game and then, and then you figure out where you need a little extra work, uh, going into the second week. Got any crazy predictions you want to make for this? Not so much the score, but any guys who are going to break out? Anybody who you think you got a feeling this guy, we don't know much about him now, this guy, or maybe this unit, this position group is about to take off? I don't really have any crazy predictions for this game. And I, I've done that in the past, and it hasn't, it hasn't ended up well for me. So I stay away from the <laughs> crazy prediction stuff. Uh, by the way, didn't Lee Corso put on the wrong hat at, at, when he made his famous prediction for this for the game, Florida 
Florida, Miami. I think he did that. He he said one team and he put on the other team's helmet or something. So I don't know how much we're putting into Lee Corso's crazy prediction. For me, <laughs> on, in this particular game, I would love to see uh, an offensive line that an offensive line emerge out, out of this game, and maybe five, six, seven guys will play in the game on the offensive line. But but at the end of the game and heading into week number two, you have a really good feeling about your your offensive line. That has been the biggest question mark throughout fall camp for me, and and they still haven't really named an offensive line. And that's the position group that I think is most important for the success of this football team this year, just because we don't know how good they can be or how good they're going to be. So uh, offensive line is my, is where I'll be focused almost solely. I feel like all the other position groups match up really well. And, And so I'm not as worried about the other position groups, but the offensive line seems to be the one that's, that's really has my attention going into to week number one. How about if you're BYU, Frank? Do you just go crazy as far as the playbook? I mean, what's the point of hiding anything? Because this is a game you're not expected to win. You got the streak and everything. So I'm thinking they may go crazy. You know, it's I don't know how you I don't know how you manage that. How does so? How does the how does this football game? If you're BYU, how does this football game dictate the rest of your season if you win it or if, if you lose it? And if you, if you don't come out on, this, on top in this, in this football game, does that ruin your, your season or, or can you build from that? And So I think it's really interesting how you approach this game if you're, if you're BYU and if you just throw everything that you have, and, which I think would be very difficult. I think it's very difficult to put everything in the first – the first week, so I I would guess that it's going to be um, more of a you know the first game mentality. Let's do whatever we can to figure out how to win this game and limit or limit mistakes and and limit opportunities for the for the other team and play really well at the line of scrimmage. I mean all of those all of those good things and then figure out a way to to come out on top in this one, but. I don't necessarily, and I, I said this to you, I know that you and I have disagreed with on this a little bit, but I don't think necessarily a, a loss for BYU in this first game dictates the, the rest of their season. I don't think a loss in this game is a loss for the entire season. So, it, you know, if you, maybe if you approach it with that mentality, you, you can say, you know, we don't have to throw everything, you know, all that we have into this first game and, and try to come out on top. Um, so, but I just, I just think the the way that you that, that that they will manage this game is what what does this game mean for the rest of our schedule? If we lose this game, does that ruin the rest of our year? If we win this game, does that make the rest of our year? And and then you have to take it take it from that point. I would think that if they uh, back to PK a point he's made multiple times this summer, if BYU loses but plays well and then goes to Tennessee and wins. I mean, that USC game looks huge. Then we'll know how vulnerable USC might or might not be. We will have seen a USC-Fresno and USC-Stanford game. And so I would think that the, series, the season would be very interesting just going into week three. So it's hard to see, unless they really get run off the field, it's hard to see where this is just going to crush everything. Yeah, I, I think that most, 
if there's a devastating loss, it would be you know a loss that where you just there's you just don't compete and and you don't have an answer and and maybe you make some you know make a lot of mistakes and you just feel like you completely lack any sort of control um, or ability in the game. I think that's more of a you know more of a, a, a loss that's kind of like well you know what do we do next? So if but but if you go into the game and you play pretty well and you, you score some points and maybe create a turnover or two and and you have to you know decent yardage on the offensive side you make some stops on the defensive side and you come out with stuff to build on win or loss in game one I think that's much more meaningful so if there is such a thing as a devastating loss I think it would be a game where you walk out of the stadium just scratching your head about a lack of ability to accomplish anything in in any phase of the game. So um, I think that's probably the only the only reason I would say or the only way I would see this as being a devastating kind of opening game for either team is, is if you just can't accomplish anything during the course of play. Well, look at this game, Frank, is Utah's going down there with the idea we're going to win. BYU is going to run out in the stadiums thinking, man, it would be awesome if we can win. And that's where I think the difference is going to be is that one team expects to win. The other team is really, man, if things go our way, we can win this game. Well, that's, you know, that's an interesting point. I think Utah will go into that. I think Utah will go into that game with the attitude that we're, we're going to win this game. Hopefully it's not um, an attitude of, you know we have this in the you know we have this with in our hat and and it's we'll just go out there and take care of business it's going to be much more difficult than that i i i think that that uh that BYU is is probably a little bit more on the belief that they can win this game side than um you know walking in there like oh, i hope we i hope we come out on top in this game and I think they, you know, you can take a look at last year and say, "Hey, we did all of these things really well, and look where we were." And we just kind of gave it up and 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 didn't didn't close our opportunity, and we were right there. And if you look back across the history of this of this game and and how close the games were, I can't remember the stat. Was it five of seven years is seven points or less in this game? And and BYU has certainly had their opportunities to come out on top in this one. So. I have to believe that there's a little more confidence coming out of Provo than, than you know, we're, we're just hopeful that we're, we're going to come out on top in this one. I think there's, a, there's probably more of a belief that this is a very winnable game, especially game one uh, this, this Thursday evening. As always, Frank, we appreciate it. Enjoy the game, and we will talk to you again next week. Yes, yes, it should be exciting. I'm really looking forward to it, and... and uh, I don't know. I I think that uh, I I hope this trend continues. I I kind of like this matchup, the rivalry matchup, right out of the gate. I think there's a lot of excitement around it. Frank Dolce, Frank Dolce, our Utah football insider, and that stat he was just referencing, Yach had it for us on the countdown last week. Twenty of the last twenty-five games have been decided by a touchdown or less. It's been close. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We got another countdown update. Yach with the stats that matter, the number of the day. It's the Utes, the Cougar, the countdown to the rivalry game next. Stay with us.
to the 100th rivalry game, and we are down to three days. Three! Count them! Yak, the number three. What do you have? Let's go back to 2003. The 2003 matchup featured, of course. A field goal, a A 3-0 game on a frozen field. Yeah, fun with threes. There you go. That's today's factoid. Not the only game that's been decided. Not the only one. There's been a there's been a fair amount. Of course, the 34-31 games back in the 90s featured a 55-yard game-winning field goal. The first Chris Jurgensen. Yeah, yeah, that was. A How about when the Utes stormed the field three times correct. when the Cougars doing the field goal off the upright? That was a good one too. Which at the other end of the field, the Utes doinked a field goal that would have won a game. That was a two-point loss, but yeah. three points would have won it. 11 games in 25 years decided by three points or less. Look at you doing research. Well, you know, every once in a while. Did you get bored in the break? Yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> Numbers. I'm so excited by them. You want another three-point game, though, because you want the drama. I want passion. I don't want numbers. Sports radio and numbers. Passion. Then I'm into it. We're going to shut these guys out. I'm going to put it up on the board how many points they're going to get. Zero. And then be able to back it up. That's what 2003 represents to me. Doesn't represent 3 nothing. It remembers the passion that went into that to achieve that goal. That's what it's about. The shutout streak. Kyle Whittingham wanted it ended. He got it ended. He wrote the zero on the board. And Who was the last team that had shut out BYU? I, I can't remember. The Sun Friggin' Devils. Right. Who was their head coach at the time? God. <laughs> How cool would it be if they came out? You know, they always do the altern- alternate uniforms, the alternate helmets. How happy would PK be if they came out and they had an SFD on the side of the helmet? Everybody's like, what's that? And PK's like, Sun Friggin' Devils! <laughs> I copyrighted and trademarked that. I guess you can't copyright. You got to trademark that. I trademarked that. Where are my residuals? That was a brilliant idea. I'm loyal to the Sun Devils. You know how last night I wore the Utah shirt and then had the hats of BYU and Utah State. Mm-hmm. I got a tweet at me this morning. PK tried, print or quotes around the word tried, to show he's impartial. But he wore a real Utah shirt and tossed on a BYU hat with tan. A shirt carries far more weight than a hat, especially an old one with a disgraced, disgraced color. He likes Utah more. Maybe not as much as ASU, but he's loyal to the Pac-12. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> of the, the color of your hat, the shade. The backstory behind that is that uh, years ago when the BYU was having trouble winning on the road in basketball, I told the basketball coaches I would wear a hat. If they won a road game? Yeah, and so they did. And Walter Ruiz, who was on the staff at the time, a guy from Brazil, he presented me with a hat and a shirt. That was the hat that he gave me, and I had to wear it on the plane to TCU and I took the same flight as the players and the coaches so I had to sit in the waiting area with the BYU hat and that in the conference games that, that was the longest trip that we would make so I had to wear the BYU hat the whole time 
and the deal with and and I can remember that everybody laughed. I mean, even even Dave Rose's wife laughed. It was funny, and so I said I would do it, and they and they won the ball game. I think they beat Colorado State or something. So on the road trip was coming up to TCU, <clears throat> I had to wear the the hat, and then on the the Utah shirt. I was invited a couple years back. Uh, they uh, they have a spring banquet for all the athletes in the uh, at Rice Eccles, and I was invited to speak. And so they gave me some gifts uh, to wear. And one of I got a couple. I got a Utah baseball shirt and a Utah athletics shirt. So and and that was the funny thing on that shirt, that Utah athletics shirt. And I, I this was probably five years ago that I spoke. That was the first time I wore that shirt. <laughs> I actually, it still had the tags on the shirt that I had to rip off. <laughs> so there's a Utah baseball shirt that I wear a fair amount, especially the year they won the Pac-12. I was wearing it all the time. <laughs> but, yes, I'm more, much more loyal to Utah than to BYU. And surprisingly, in the guy's Twitter handle, he has the letters BYU. In I'm, stunned, I'm stunned by that. That's what this rivalry is all about, man. That's why we love it so much. That's why it's great. They don't even have to play. You can get all upset or take emotion out of some shirt that some media dude is wearing versus a hat and come to the conclusion that I favor one over the other. Hey, it's all detective work. Yeah. You got to look for all the visual clues. Right. I mean, I took a lie detector test this morning and turned out he was right. DJ BK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah State football coach Gary Anderson's coming up at 830. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.